right, folks, this is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The texts are flowing on the FanDuel text line, 704-570-9610. Got some great texts going there. 704 number says, where was Mad Dog at when the beloved Hornets raised prices 275%? Just because y'all don't like temper, you can't let the Hornets off the hook. They haven't won nothing. I believe that we uh, did, didn't we uh, get him a little bit of the business too. I just I just want to know from the seven zero four number. I just want to <laughs> ask a question. Do you really think that we were trying to let the Hornets off of the hook right. because we were talking about Mad Dog's rant on Carolina? You're asking where was Mad Dog's rant on the Hornets who raised the prices? You think the Charlotte Hornets are going to make first take? <laughs> why Why in the world would that be a big enough storyline for first take with Mad Dog to talk about Charlotte raising the prices? And it's a lot for season ticket holders. It's a ton. <laughs> we did talk about that. But I, are you getting mad at Mad Dog for not bringing something up on national TV? Right, that is if a we can relay the message to him. A national-centric topic, and then you're saying, like, we're letting the Hornets off of the hook? Like, we had a guest on to talk all about it. Eric Spanberg, WFNZ.com. We'll throw a promo in while you're at it. Well, he no, obviously he, doesn't listen to the show every day. I, you know, look, and that's that's fine. Like, I, I get it. Just I hope to be clear to this person and everybody else. It's not like we're letting the Hornets off of the hook. Where this is the Panthers' time to criticize, and then we'll criticize the Hornets when it's time for that. Jack's got a great text as well, too. He says, I work so that in the fall I can spend my money watching the tackles hip toss <laughs> Bradley Bozeman <laughs> and a 4% increase isn't going to stop me. Yeah. Especially if they start winning. I mean, there's no way that, team, that fans aren't going to line up to go see a winning team. It doesn't matter what you charge them. I, I, I like this one picture. God, I'm trying to find it again. There's so many texts rolling in. But there was one, uh, I think it was Spaceman, who sent a picture of it with the news graphic. And there was the banner saying, Idiot Panthers fan, ready to spend 4% more on Panthers tickets. Because you're right. Diehard Panthers fans are still going to go to these games. And that's just what sports is. You love your team and... David Tepper's going to raise the prices, and we're going to get mad. And that it's okay to call that out, for sure. But, of course, you're playing with the love of the sports uh, teams that these fans have. And, yeah, it doesn't feel right, man. Not after a season like last year. It doesn't feel right. All right. And now it is time, without further ado, to go to the campus. Kona! All right, as we get this thing kicked off, man, wanted to give a quick shout-out, even though this high school was my uh, bitter, bitter rival when I was in high school. Don't like anything North Mech. But future Duke Blue Devil and North Mecklenburg star Isaiah Evans has been named a 2024 McDonald's All-American, and he was presented his jersey before the game just a couple of days ago. He's ranked the number 11 prospect in the nation. He's also ranked as the number three player in the state of North Carolina. He's a six-foot six forward, and he's part of a star-studded number one recruiting class for head coach John Shire. He will join number one overall prospect Cooper Flagg on the McDonald's All-American team as well. I'm sure Fitty's excited to hear that. But talking about on the court last night, the Blue Devils get the job done and run roughshod over Louisville, 84 to 59. They've won eight of their last 11 meetings with Louisville. They clinched the double by in the ACC tournament. They limited Louisville to 23 points through the first 20 minutes, matching the lowest first half total from an ACC opponent this season. Dished out 23 assists. Kyle Filipowski 
who we thought was probably going to be out for the season after that court storming. But he came back and grabbed 10 rebounds, dished out six assists, and had nine points on the evening. So at this point, with Duke coming back in a rousing way off of the loss to uh, Wake Forest, who do we trust more at this point? Is it the Tar Heels or is it the Duke Blue Devils as they are on a collision course to see each other once again and as we head into the ACC tournament? I trust North Carolina more. I think they're a better team overall, and I know they have a lot of talent with Duke, but I think they also grind a little harder in their physical, and I don't think Duke is that. And we've seen them have their struggles with physical teams before. Harrison Ingram, he'll go get that rebound. Armando might not have a bag, as you like to say, Wes, but he'll go get that rebound too. R.J. Davis, while struggling for quite some time inside the three-point line, the guy can still shoot with the best of them. And even if he has a bad game against one of the best defensive teams every single year in college basketball, he answers the very next time out against Miami. I think the shots aren't falling at the same exact time for Carolina. And so I think offensively, that's allowed them to struggle at times, especially with Cormac Ryan having a tough roller coaster type of year and with Harrison Ingram being able to shoot from three, but sometimes his offense, it, it comes and goes. I think at the beginning of the season, we saw him scoring a lot of points. There was a stretch where he was averaging 10, like every single time out. He has the Duke performance where he goes for 20 and 20, it feels like. So there are just so many different points of production you can go to if you're North Carolina. And I think the floor is always a ton of hustle. Maybe not against Georgia Tech. Maybe that's true. Or whether, you know, the Clemson loss, maybe that's true. But for the most part, you're always going to get hustle from them. And they rebound really well. And they play defense really well. And I think that's always going to give them a better shot. Like, I can rely on that more than anything I can point to and say I can rely on that for Duke. The only thing that gives... Carolina, a shred of advantage for me is the fact of their strength of schedule and everything that they've dealt with coming up to this point. I feel like they're more battle-tested, and that's the only reason I'm going to give them an edge because right now, as I've said, I feel like Carolina's not playing their best basketball. We know about how they can give up leads late, and I just feel like on the perimeter, we've talked about R.J. Davis and he had the monster game the other night, but we talked about the efficiency issues he's been having as of late. Is it fatigue or what is it? Armando Baycott, I'm not sure if I could trust him. Uh, game in, game out at this point. And Harrison Ingram also has been up and down. He's been steady on the boards, but as far as scoring and providing that big presence he once did, that's been a little shaky as well. I just feel like Duke, as far as some of the options that they have for them, when they get into some sticky situations, you've got Roach, you got Flip, you got McCain, you have... Uh, multiple guys who can get a bucket for you when it's needed. But I will still give Carolina a shred of an edge for now because I feel like they are a bit more battle-tested. Fiddy, what say you? I feel like we know what the answer is going to be, but break it down for us. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to lean Carolina's way because I think, like Walker said, I think they're the tougher team. They're better defensively. They're the better rebounding team. You've also got the best player between the two programs and R.J. Davis. And also, like, if you're a Duke fan, can you can you trust Kyle Filipowski to not put himself in harm's way again and, you know, try to cure, you know, some sort of injury that's going to put him on death's doorstep? I mean, it's just a real tough place to be with the Duke if, you, if, you, if, if, if you're a Duke fan because, uh, you know, you've got a, a, a group that wants to play victim and, you know, hmm. it, it doesn't <laughs> – doesn't play the well this time of the year. Fire so, like a machine uh, gun. I mean, I 
the fact that they, they, they even had to play him to beat Louisville last night was embarrassing. Like, you want to sit up there and whine and, and cry like a three-year-old about banning court storming and say it was intentional. You at least got to miss one game. And he missed absolutely no time. And um, That was short-sighted on their part. I agree. Louisville, well, you I mean, can miss that game. Everything they do to... is short-sighted. So they're like me okay. driving in the rain. <laughs> that's no-sighted. Yeah. That's blindsided. <laughs> He got blindsided when he shoved that fan first, and then he, then he then he got hit and wanted to play victim. So, I, how, what what is the gap between North Carolina and Duke on as in terms of how much you trust him? Wes gave us a shred of a gap. What's the gap for you? Because I I still have a pretty decent one. I mean, I know North Carolina can still struggle for sure. I also think the opponent three point percentage has been pretty lucky for some of the offense that they've played. And I think that has a lot to do, especially we see this in analytics age with the NBA as well. Like we can see that at the college level. Do we expect Syracuse? Like they shot 63% with a bunch of mid-rangers. 63. Well, they did go into NC State and Chris Bale hit eight first half threes. Yeah. Well, you're, you're, they hit a lot of threes, right? Like that's yeah. what I'm saying. The three-point luck has been very good. That's for the what I'm saying, but you call it luck. But I'm just saying they had, they went to NC State and kind of did the same thing. Little confused, but oh, no, no. I'm saying I, you caught it luck, and I'm just saying is it luck if it happens more than one time? And you brought up the Syracuse matchup, and I was just saying that Syracuse followed that performance up going to NC State and shot the ball really well from three. Yeah, I guess. I guess when you're talking about just a string of games, like this is what you look to first and foremost. It mm -hmm. happened with the Charlotte Hornets. Portland missed 18 wide open threes, and we mm -hmm. were still giving them a lot of credit because of the defense that they were playing. But the open threes, the other team just hit them. With Miami, they just couldn't miss from three point range either. And so that's what allowed them to get back in the game, even though I'm not looking at North Carolina saying, man, they got to get a handout. They got to contest. They got to have better closeouts. It's just that they're hitting mm -hmm. Syracuse. As we mentioned, the mid range jumpers falling time and time again for Starling and the fact that you have that for men's. I just think I can rely on that a decent amount more. If you wanted to play the numbers, very nerd take. I agree. You can clown me for it all you want, but I do think the numbers would bear out a little bit more. So for Carolina, what they're ranked top 10 in Ken Palm, if I'm not mistaken, defensively, at at least with their rating. They're very good. It's just they ran into some hot shooters the last couple of times, and if that continues, they'll continue to struggle. But I don't expect those numbers to continue to stay up there. Uh, Virginia took down Boston College 72-68. to 68. When you look at the ACC standings, they're still sitting in there third with a 21-8 and eight overall record. They're 12-6 in the ACC. Do we feel like that Virginia is a real contender when the ACC tournament comes up in two weeks? I don't think so. Their offense is putrid, and it feels worse. Their offense is their offense is usually efficient. When they have their stars, they don't run up and down the floor. We know the brand of Virginia basketball. But when they've had their talent before, they would just make the most out of every single possession, even if it meant killing 30 seconds of the 35-second shot clock. They would eventually end up with a bucket. They were one of the more efficient offensive teams. They just didn't run. This year, they don't have anybody that you feel is a threat to shoot. They don't have anybody that you feel is a threat to score and put up numbers in bunches. If they don't have a decent, decent defensive game, then it feels like they're going to get beat by 20. That's why we see them. When they lose, they get destroyed most of the time. No, I don't think they're a real contender at all. Yeah, the only thing for me with them is just they don't have enough bucket getters. I mean, your two leading scorers, they only have two players that average in double figures, Reese Beekman and Isaac McNeely. And Reese Beekman only averages 13.9 points per game. And in this team, you need at least three to four guys averaging double figures if they really want to compete. And I think your leading scorer needs to be a little bit further over.
over uh, 13.9 points per game, 14 points, whatever you want to call it. Fiddy, what do you feel like is missing from the Cavaliers? Even though the record's good, but what is missing with them for you to say that they're a true contender in this conference? They don't have a guy that they can say, go get me a bucket. And when when this thing was rolling, when Tony Bennett established themselves as a premier program in the ACC, you had NBA talent in a Joe Harris, who's been in the de- the league for a decade, DeAndre Hunter, um, Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy. Like you had legitimate high-end talent. You have a good nucleus of players that fit the way they want to play, but it's so much easier to you know compact the court, compress the court, and as good as Reese Beekman are and Isaac McNeely are, they're not good enough to consistently beat you in the half court. I don't feel like they're a threat in the ACC tournament. I feel like we're on a collision course to have Duke Carolina part three on that Saturday night when we get to Washington, D.C. I think the sleeper is going to be whoever emerges as the four seed between Wake and Clemson. Whoever gets that, that last double bye, I think, will have the recipe to maybe upset the one seed in the quarterfinal round, All or right. the semifinal round. All right, and before we get out of here, App State took out Old Dominion 89-64. to That win clinched the one seed for them in the Sun Belt Conference Tournament and at least a share of the regular season title for the first time since the 1999-2000 season.